0: in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I.com.
1: Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you five dollars for every twenty you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine—you name it. Find out how to get your five dollar rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll: Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Have you heard the name Adrian Newey? Even if you don't know the man, you know his accomplishments. His role in Formula One was out of the spotlight, but he's as big a star as they come. Considered to be one of the best engineers, designers, and technical directors in history, Adrian Nui Cars, and the copycats he inspired, dominated racing for over two decades, winning a stunning number of Grand Prix and championship titles in the process. Six drivers have won the driver's championship behind the wheel of his cars. How did Nui's designs get them there? How did his designs revolutionize F1 as a whole? Today on Pass Gas, he's the Calvin Klein of the racing line, the Chanel of the chicanes, the Versace of Room. When it comes to F1 designers, there's no other name besides Adrian Newey. Pass
2: Gas Podcast, it's about cars, it's
1: not about ports!
2: Adrian Newey, his name was Adrian Newey. <laughs> in life, we have no name, but in death, his name was Adrian Newey.
1: Versace of Rome. The Chanel of Chicanes. The Magella of Mugello. Oh, nice, oh. dude. Ooh, that's the only other like highfalutin designer I know. The Fendi of Formula One. Ooh, oh, nice. ooh, the Fendi.
3: I can't think of anything right now. <laughs>
1: the, the Michael Kors of the Corsa. Ooh, Michael Corsa. <laughs> the
3: Goodfellow <Nice>. of Goodwood. <laughs> Goodfellow. That's all I wear. <laughs> Sorry. The Route 66 <laughs> of Eau Rouge. The Sonoma of Sonoma.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Pass Gas, everybody. This is a fashion show. Now we're just going to talk about brands and how much we love brands.
2: America's number fifty-seven streetwear podcast, number two automotive <laughs> podcast, number seven in leisure. That's right. There's no
1: leisure here. We're trying our hardest. I swear to God. No, this is strictly business. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined as always by my other co-host. We got James Pumphrey. Ooh,
2: that's good three-point shot.
1: <laughs> and Joe Weber. What's up, Wink Wink Nation? It's been a while. Hey, it has. It has. How's everybody doing this week? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm good. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm shooting my pilot today. You're shooting a pilot in the head today? No, don't even
3: start that <laughs> rumor, dude. I love pilots. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, Joe is currently on a private flight, and he's like, I'm <laughs> shooting my pilot today. And the pilot's up front. It's a biplane, like one of those ones where they just sit like front to back. And the guy's like, what? <laughs> so shooting a pilot for a new donut show. We're very excited. Hopefully he doesn't get ah. up.
3: I brought back the Wink Wink Nation thing because there's a Wink Wink reference that came organically. I did not force it. Uh, I'm already developing my IP for shirts. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Just on record, I love pilots. I would never shoot pilots. I trust them with my
1: life. Very overworked profession. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into the script. Let's talk about Adrian Newey. Let's talk about Formula One. Let's talk about Adrian Newey. Let's talk about Formula One. Let's do it. It needs to be discussed. Born in Stratford-upon-Avon, England in 1958, Adrian Newey had an immediate attraction to automobiles, and not in a sexual way. Well, we don't know that. (laughs) In his best-selling autobiography, How to Build
2: a Car, Newey says, quote, by the age of six, I decided my future lay in motorsport. I was 12 when I knew I wanted to design
1: race cars. Adrian's dad, Richard, was a successful veterinarian who also had a passion for tinkering. <laughs> I love the idea of an unsuccessful veterinarian. That would suck. <laughs> they just keep dying. So yeah, his dad was a successful veterinarian who also had a passion for tinkering. He and young Adrian can be found in the family's garage, where the boy spent countless hours assembling small models. It was during this time that Newey became enamored with individual car parts and their role in the greater machine. Like many creative kids, he quickly got bored with what already existed and thus began creating and designing his own hypothetical vehicles. Like most kids who are fascinated by auto racing, Adrian initially wanted to be a driver. At the age of 14, he bought a go-kart to compete at his local track, but soon realized that not only was his kart too slow, he just didn't have the natural instincts of a great driver. While his mind could race a mile a minute, that didn't really translate into physical skill. Despite the disappointment, this setback led Adrian back to the thing that truly fascinated him about the automotive experience, how to make a car go faster. Nui doubled down on his engineering knowledge. He researched and sketched incessantly, and even took a welding course, despite it being offered three hours away from home. When you're a teenager, nothing is better than discovering something you're passionate about and applying yourself to it. But like many teens, real-life obligations got in the way of Adrian's dream. I don't think I discovered what I was passionate about until I was like 24.
3: When you started working at Donut? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of set the groundwork though. Like you worked on cars, you went mm-hmm. to broadcast school. Yeah. You did theater.
1: Yeah. You were like orbiting around it. To be fair, what we do is kind of made up. That's that's true. That is true. But like, I remember being as a teen, just being like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. It's hard, man. Like, uh, you know, in high school, I wasn't a very competitive guy at all. Like, I feel like now I'm very competitive. You are very competitive. Yeah. (laughs) Very. (laughs) It it, scares me sometimes. Uh, Maybe not that competitive, but... uh, Don't gaslight me. (laughs) I'm scared (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Good. Um, I don't know. So that's cool that he found his spark that early on. Anyway, let's continue.
2: Like many brilliant, ambitious personalities, Nui found himself restless and bored with academia. (laughs) I think all of us can relate. All of us were really bad at school. Yeah. (laughs) Now I make more than a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like PhD, not MD. (laughs) (laughs) He attended the very traditional all-boys school, Repton Public. Ooh, That's cool. Where he was a constant prankster and (laughs) smartass until his hijinks reached a,
1: (laughs) a breaking point at the age of 16. Repton public home with the Raptors. Go Repton Raptors. Repton Raptors, Rept-resent. Rept-resent. I can't think of a British school having a dinosaur as a a mascot. They don't believe in dinosaurs.
2: During a rock concert set in a revered 19th century Repton building, a boozed-up Adrian snuck into the sound booth and pushed the volume to the max. Within seconds, the entire building reverberated with prog rock. Hell yeah, dude. The headmaster presumably intervened, and the concert was swiftly shut down.
3: The headmaster
1: of the concert? The headmaster of Repton, of Repton Public. okay. I feel like Jeremy Clarkson was, like, in this guy's class. (laughs) The fallout
2: was immediate. It was discovered that the stained glass windows of the hollowed space cracked under the deafening racket. So Uh needless to say, the powers that be at Repton, were fed up and promptly expelled Adrian Nui. You Dang. must leave here today, and you will
1: never come back. Adrian Nui. you are hereby banished from Repton public.
2: Following his departure from Repton, Nui found more productive ways to raise a ruckus. During his time at the University of Southampton in the late 70s, he began to put his mechanical know-how into practice by developing his first vehicle
3: from scratch, a motorcycle. Wow. When I'm bored, I'm like, I'm going to learn whittling. This dude is just like, I'm just going to make a motorcycle from scratch. Did you whittle? I bought all the stuff and then realized it wasn't for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. Yeah. Christina gave me a a, cro- a crocheting kit oh, at the yeah. beginning of quarantine, yeah. and I did that. I did it for like two weeks straight, and then I was like, nah, I'm just making string. <laughs> I'm just making long strings. Sounds like you were doing it wrong, though. You're supposed to make scarves. Yeah, don't you start with a string? You start with a string. It took me like a week to make like a foot-long, four-inch-wide a strap of fabric, and I was like, this is, this t- this is long, dude. this takes forever. <laughs> so I stopped.
2: <laughs> when he wasn't tweaking his bike, he toured British factories and researched international companies, learning to admire the efficiency and forward-thinking approach of the Italians and Japanese, which would have a profound effect on his design endeavors later in life. Hmm. Newey's obsession with bikes often kept him from his classes, but after nearly failing out, he decided to fully commit to school. Since he was advised that without a degree, he wouldn't be able to get a job in design. Finally devoted to his studies, Newey excelled, receiving first-class honors in aeronautics and aerodynamics from the University of Southampton in 1980. Look oh, good for him, man.
3: He's excelling.
2: This guy's the same age as my parents. <laughs>
3: I never met your dad, obviously, but... Oh, Big Dave? Big Dave and Adrian knew we would probably hang out, right? No, nah, my dad would kick this guy's ass. <laughs> He's like, I made those stained glass windows, punk. <laughs> <laughs> those stained glass windows are meant to be revered. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my dad used to wear, like, shorts and cowboy boots. You know, 6'5", like 400 pounds. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah, dude. <Damn.
1: laughs> yeah. <laughs> After graduation, Newey interviewed at a number of racing teams and manufacturers, but was turned down for job after job due to a lack of experience, as well as not having a mechanical engineering degree. Finally, however, he got his big break, a job under Harvey Postlewaite at Fittipaldi Formula One. That name sounds familiar. Ooh, don't it though? <laughs> <laughs> In the 1970s era, aerodynamics were emerging into the forefront of Formula One engineering, which meant Newey's entry into the racing world couldn't have come at a better time. Like so many accomplished people from history, Newey's success relied partially on amazing timing. His expertise in aerodynamics may not have been the right fit for most aspects of automotive design, but when it came to a race car, specifically how to make one go faster, it was perfect. It's also interesting to note that Newey's design hero was Colin Chapman, founder of Lotus, another aerodynamics pioneer who believed that high power was less important than good handling. Adrian's time with Fittipaldi was brief, but exciting. He relished getting hands-on experience with a real race car, one that ended up being a significant improvement from the prior year. But any celebration was short-lived, as the team's sponsor pulled out mid-1981, leaving Newey handing out resumes once again.
2: In 1981, Newey joined March's European Formula 2 team under race engineer Johnny Giacato. Shortly thereafter, Newey was sent stateside to work on the team's struggling IMSA sports car program. In 2022, any job on today's racing teams is an incredibly specialized role. But in this story, an important bit of context is that teams in the early 80s were made up of only about 30 people. Compare that to 800 or so, uh, that staff today's squads. What that meant was that 40 years ago, all crew members were required to wear multiple hats and 24 year old Adrian Nui was no exception.
3: Mm-hmm. Toto Wolf says something in drive to survive where he's like, the Haas team is smaller than any amount of people that are on vacation from the Mercedes team <laughs> at one time. <laughs>
2: Right out of the gate, Newey's first project in the States, the March GTP sports car, was a bona fide banger, (laughs) 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 and won the IMSA GTP title two years straight. For 1984 season, he moved to the March IndyCar project again. His design was stellar, winning seven times, including the Indy 500. Oh, wow. Al Unser won the cart title the next season with Newey's 85C chassis, and when Bobby Rahal won with it again in 1986, Newey's reputation as a generational designer was cemented. That's quite a run. He's in his 20s. Yeah, wow.
1: Whoa. Wow.
2: Wow. Wow. As uh, Joey Russo might say, whoa. (laughs) Uh, Any Blossom heads out there?
3: (laughs) Wait, was that in Blossom or was that in his show Joey? Well, it probably started in Blossom and then wasn't Joey a spinoff of Blossom?
1: Whoa. Whoa.
3: And then you got Owen Wilson going, wow. 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 Whoa, wow. We should get Joey and Owen together. I'm sure Joey would be down. (laughs)
2: Whoa, you know, I'd love that. In 1987, Newey's dream of working in Formula One racing was finally realized when he returned to Europe and soon joined the March team as chief designer. Again, very young at this point still. Newey describes his time at March, later known as Leighton House, as the breeding ground (laughs) for the success he would achieve (laughs) later in his career had i gone straight in with an established team big or small i would have been trying to establish myself within an existing design group but at leighton house it was great to be able to do things in an inexperienced group with no preconceptions we relied on our instincts judgment and the results of the wind tunnel Mm. we did psychedelics (laughs) no this is not
3: the this is not part of the quote (laughs) Microdosing.
1: <laughs> what is a race car? Asking ourselves constantly, <laughs> what does speed even mean? I wonder if there's engineers, racing engineers, that have, have dabbled with psychedelics to try to. 100%. But it's sad, though, because, like, you know, racing is a very uh, buttoned up kind of sport where you probably wouldn't hear that sort of stuff be talked about too much. I had to take a drug test to work in NASCAR. Like last weekend. Yeah, but
3: this is the eighties. Like one hundred percent of these people are doing coke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's so weird that you had to take a drug test. I know. Newey poured all his focus into designing the March Judd eight eight one. He said the rival turbocharged cars had far more power, so our philosophy was to concentrate on aerodynamics as the prime design principle.
1: This thing's so sick looking.
2: The result was a revolutionary car that became one of Newey's favorite designs of all time. Driven by Ivan Capelli and Mauricio (laughs) Googleman. That's a name that starts sexy and ends nerdy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Driven by Ivan Capelli and Mauricio Googleman, the 881 took the race world by storm and changed the direction of F1 design forever. The car was aggressively modeled with multiple never-before-seen features. As Newey noted, it was the first nose car, the first with properly sculpted front and rear wing end plates, and the diffuser was quite advanced, making it far more aerodynamically efficient than, say, the McLaren Honda MP4 4 that huh. it competed against that year. Wow. March head Ian Phillips said... Adrian arrived with a car in his hand that blew everyone away <laughs> because it was near half the size of anything else. Half the time, we didn't know where it was. Well, I remember in Monaco that year, we were all about to start, and it was like, Where's the car? Where's the car? <laughs> and I moved my suitcase, and there it was, hidden behind my suitcase.
3: If we ever meet any English driver that we've ever mentioned on this podcast, they're gonna hate us. No, they're gonna say,
2: Let me shake your hand. You was spot on. <laughs> Even though the 881 didn't bring March a championship that year, it was a seminal moment in terms of aerodynamics becoming the key to F1 car performance. Phillips went on to say The March 881 was years ahead of its time, and I regret that the team wasn't good enough to deliver Adrian a win. As March officially became Leighton House in 1989, Newey was promoted to technical director, but things didn't go well the following year. Their new car, the CG891, failed to score a point that Mm. season. It performed well in the wind tunnel, but was unpredictable on track. Financial tension was also brewing, and so despite having the hottest designer in the sport, both physically and otherwise, Leighton House fired Newey in the summer of 1990. Newey's first major chapter in F1 had come to an
3: end, but he was just getting started. Well, now I want to hear the next section. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in luck, Joe.
2: We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start.
1: All right, so Adrian's out of a job. But this time though, Newey wasn't printing out resumes. He was a hot commodity with interest from multiple teams. And while they're currently struggling to keep up in F1, throughout the 1980s and 90s, Williams was a perennial powerhouse of the sport. Williams' technical director, Patrick Head, always admired Newey. And so when Adrian left March, Head quickly signed him as Williams' chief designer. With more money and better drivers, the two quickly became the dominant design partnership of the decade.
3: I just realized that if your your name is Patrick, you could go by Pat or Rick or Trick. 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 <laughs> Trick. Head. Trick head
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like a bassist for a new metal band that toured with Corn. <laughs> Dude, Trick is a sick name. Trick head. Yeah, yeah. Like Crazy Town. You know they had Shifty, Shell Shock, and Trick Head. If you said that to me, I would believe you. You're damn right you would. By mid season 1991, Newey's FW14 chassis proved to be a vast improvement from the previous year. But reliability issues and the dominance of Ayrton Senna prevented Williams team driver Nigel Mansell from claiming, claiming the championship. In 1992, though, that changed. Mansell took the driver's crown, and Newey secured his first constructor's title. In 93, Newey's cars won again, this time with Alan Prost manning the wickedly fast FW15C. The wickedly fast. For more on those legendary F1 seasons, check out our series on Senna. On top of these stellar victories, Newey was settling into the role as a father and husband. Boo! In his biography, (laughs) he describes the period before the 1994 season as one of the best times of his life.
2: He describes the time before he got married and had a kid as the best time of his life? No, no,
1: no. At On top of those stellar victories, so it's at the same time. So, so he's he a new likes dad. His fam- he likes he, his family. He likes his family. Okay. And his garage family is winning, I'm not too. i used to that. yeah. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I'm sorry, James. It's okay. Do you want to go camping soon? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs>
1: Too bad our trucks are in a museum. Uh, I know. Following Williams' back-to-back titles, Formula One decided that their car was too good and too advanced. Electronic driver aids like traction control, ABS, and active suspension were all outlawed for the 94 season, and the balance of the Williams FW16 suffered as a result. The beginning of the season saw the team and drivers struggle to match the Rory Byrne-design, Schumacher-driven Benetton B194 which we also talked about in the Schumacher episode. So check that out.
3: Yeah, that's a cool car.
1: To make matters shockingly worse, disaster struck when Ayrton Senna, who had signed with Williams only months before, died in a crash at the 1994 San Marino Grand Prix. Like many who were involved, Newey describes Senna's death as the low point of his career. He even faced manslaughter charges that were later dropped. Dramatically, as they grieved Senna's death, a late-season rally and the suspension of Michael Schumacher enabled Williams to claim their third straight Constructors' Championship. But despite the win, cracks began to show in Newey's relationship with old Trick Head. <laughs> <laughs> the next season, it was clear that Newey wanted to become technical director at Williams, but Head wouldn't budge. Losses that year to Benetton further dampened things, and by the time Damon Hill and Jacques Villeneuve secured both titles in 1996... Nui had been placed on gardening leave, the corporate term for you don't work here anymore. You're in your garden. Oh, my God. Oh. what well, that scared the <laughs> out of me. An 86, a new one, GT86, just drove by in the, uh, the same color as low car <laughs> with a black hood. Whoa. All right. That was justified. I thought you fell out the window.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs>
1: If I got a new 400Z, or the new Z, I would have it wrapped in that turquoise. What a commitment to marketing.
3: It's not <laughs> Pepto-Bismol, but it gives me Pepto-Bismol vibes. It's like mint Pepto-Bismol.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like Pepto-Bismol PM. <laughs> <laughs> this one doesn't give you nightmares. <laughs> Years later, Williams' boss, Sir Frank, admitted that he regretted letting week get away, saying, quote, he wanted some shares and I didn't want to give to him at the time, which was, in hindsight,
2: a mistake. Adrian is quite a remarkable individual. <laughs> Sir Frank Rest sounds like a, like he looks like the mayor from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. And he's always eating hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I was going to say it looks like, a, in my mind, just like a hot dog with like a purple royal robe and a crown on.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you guys know what Frank Williams looks like? Yeah. Oh, I know what Frank Williams looks like.
2: I really like Frank Williams. The Williams documentary is really amazing. Remarkable as he is, Newey was unable to influence the design of the 1997 car at his next job, McLaren Racing. And so, after an unremarkable season, he concentrated his efforts on the 1998 car, the MP4 13. The results were a success, to say the least. With a narrower chassis, new front suspension, a faster and lighter Mercedes engine, and nearly flawless aerodynamic design, the MP4 13 set a new bar in the late 90s. And with Mika in behind the wheel, McLaren won the double crown in the 1998 season, winning 9 out of 16 races, claiming 12 poles and 9 fastest laps. Hakkinen won the Drivers' Championship again the next year and narrowly missed out on a three-peat in 2000, thanks to Michael Schumacher, whose win was the first of his legendary title run with Ferrari. It's worth noting that from 1992 through 2004, the Drivers' Championship was entirely dominated by Rory Byrne and Adrian Newey-designed cars. Byrne engineered Michael Schumacher to seven titles, while Newey engineered Mansell, Prost, Hill, Villeneuve, and Häkkinen to six. Now, as you might imagine, Newey was approached by rival teams more than once. One such example came in 2001 when his old pal from his March days, Bobby Rahal, who is now managing Jaguar, almost poached Adrian from McLaren. Rahal even got Newey to sign a contract, but Ron Dennis persuaded him to stay with the team. Despite staying put, the McLaren team failed to win a single drivers' or constructors' championship over the next three years. Michael Schumacher and Ferrari's incredible dominance throughout the mid two thousands, along with increased headbutting with McLaren top brass, began to frustrate Nui. Throughout two thousand five, stories circulated that Nui's departure was imminent, and in November, Red Bull Racing announced that Nui would join the team for the next season. This was Nui's fourth decade in the sport and he was still only 22 years old. Wow. This was Newey's fourth decade in the sport, but far from being irrelevant, he was a hot commodity for his experience and creative brilliance.
3: Did you guys know that Red Bull racing is going to start making a drink? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to stop drinking the stuff. It tastes like battery acid when you don't drink it for a while. I like it. I like it too, but man, you chug a almost frozen Red Bull. If you get it just right, it's good, but then you can't stop drinking them.
1: Yeah, they're quite addictive. I don't know if anyone listening to this knows this, but uh, Red Bulls are addictive. By joining Red Bull. <laughs> why do I say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> red Bull. He's going to Red Bull. Red Bull. Red Bull. Oh, oh, it's a Red Bull.
3: Oh, look at this little
2: Red Bull. Isn't Red Bull like Thai? Yes.
3: And it was originally a goo that they would feed their workers to <laughs> no, stay up 24 hours a day at, the, at a factory. That's true. That's tight. We got to get some of that goo for our editors. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we could double our output. That means we'd have to make twice as many videos, too. Hey, Joseph. <laughs> Want to try this Thai goo? <laughs>
3: yeah, Yeah. okay. Yeah, sure. I'll give it to Dean. Hey, Josie, give Dean some of this
1: Thai goo. (laughs) By joining Red Bull, Newey was knowingly taking on the toughest challenge of his career. Sure, he was a successful designer, but his previous teams had championship pedigrees before he got there. Red Bull Racing had zero, which meant there is much work to be done. So the Red Bull company bought the Jaguar F1 team, which was not very good. (laughs) They were doing... So not very good that an energy drink company was able to buy them. So that tells you where they were at. That's where it was starting. So Adrian Newey had kind of like a clean slate to start from. The first complete car Newey developed at Red Bull was for the 2007 season and was powered by the Renault RS26 engine. The machine was reasonably fast, but unreliable. However, Red Bull managed a respectable fifth place in the Constructors' Championship, which was what Newey realistically hoped for at the beginning of the year. That's not bad not bad you're in you know you're at top of the midfield top of the mid top of the midfield for you 2008 brought more progress but also disappointment by the halfway mark of the season red bull was in contention for fourth place in the constructors championship but they scored just five points in the second half of the season ultimately slipping out of contention for that fourth spot An F1 regulatory reboot for the 2019 season, meaning new rules, offered a unique opportunity for Newey and proved to be a massive turning point for the team. Significant aerodynamic rule changes meant designers had a nearly blank canvas, and to a designer like Adrian Newey, nothing was more exciting than starting fresh. The RB5 he delivered claimed six victories in 2009, and Red Bull finished second in the Constructors' Championship. Proving his new chassis to be a significant leap forward. Was uh, Horner director at this time? I believe so. He's been there the whole time, basically, right? Yeah, I think so. Same kind of deal. Like, offered a job at like a new team with a significant backer like the Red Bull Energy Drink, you know, that gives you a chance to kind of like start your own organization how you want it to be run rather than having to be maybe a junior member in a older team.
3: Yeah. So nobody will hire me because I've got such a randy last name, mate.
1: (laughs) We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel book on the app and you get double points.
0: Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air.
1: Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The next season's RB6 changed everything. It took 15 out of the possible 19 pole positions and driver Sebastian Vettel won the World's Drivers' Championship, and Nui became the most successful F1 designer ever when he won the Constructors' Championship for a record third team. In 2011, Sebastian Vettel won the Drivers' Championship again, making him the youngest back-to-back champ in the history of F1, and Nui secured another Constructors' Championship, now in Decade 5 of his career. These wins proved that Red Bull Racing was here to stay, and Newey was once again lauded as the premier designer in the sport. On the heels of Red Bull's stunning run at the turn of the decade, Newey was again approached by a rival squad in 2014. This time, however, it was Bell of the ball, Ferrari. Newey visited Luca Montezomolo in Tuscany, and was basically offered the world. Montezomolo was prepared to put Newey in charge of both road and race cars, and give him twice the salary he was making with Red Bull. Newey said, It was a very difficult decision. Ferrari came with an incredible
2: offer, and it caused me a lot of sleepless nights deciding what to do and who to go for. In the end, it would have felt wrong to walk out on Red Bull. I love that Thai goo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Most people drink it. I like to smoke it. He turned the offer down and instead took a wider role with Red Bull Advanced Technologies, a position he maintains to this day. Also, it should be noted that Sebastian went on a four-year championship streak with Red Bull. Then in 2014, the year that Adrian Newey was offered the role at Ferrari, Vettel finished fifth, and then Vettel went over to Ferrari. Wow. And finished third in 2015.
3: Was that the year when
1: they switched to V6 hybrids? 2014 was the first V6 hybrid year, and then Vettel has not done super well since, unfortunately. We'll see this year, though. We'll see. That Aston Martin looks pretty sweet. (sighs) With slightly more free time over the years, Adrian has applied his engineering brilliance to everything from yachts to road cars, like the Aston Martin Valkyrie. However, his impact at Red Bull F1 continues, as he still has significant influence over their design and engineering teams. Adrian Newey is a math nerd. A rebellious teenager, artist, and genius engineer all rolled into one. His remarkable career has played out like a metaphor for precisely what makes Formula One so thrilling, a relentless search to achieve synchronicity between man and machine. Quote, After all, it's actually relatively easy to drive a Formula One car, writes Newey in his biography.
2: The challenge is doing it faster than anybody else without losing control.
1: That's an entirely different level. That's hard, dude. Yeah. That is pretty hard. Although from his, from his karting days, he knew he couldn't be behind the wheel, Adrian found a way to reach that next level by applying his gifts with incredible success. And in the process, he single-handedly shaped F1's history and what the sport is today. The end. The end.
3: So what did we learn? We learned that you can break windows with rock music. (laughs) We learned that Trick is an appropriate name for someone named Patrick. Sick name. Beyond appropriate. Trick head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that Red Bull started as a goo. Just like all of us, we all started as a goo. (laughs) Yeah, we're all this old goo, dude.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And what are we all... Other than a well-aged (laughs) goo. Held up by sticks. (laughs) Held up by sticks.
1: Wow. (laughs) That's true, man. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, dude. We're just dad goo, man. (laughs) 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 All right. I think that's a good place to end. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Past Gas. Leave us a good review if you'd like on your podcast app of choice. Follow my buddies at Joji Weber, at James Pumphrey, and me, Nolan J Sykes. Thanks to our writer this week, Luke Klompian. Edward Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks to Luke and our producer, Thomas Ulett,
3: and
2: Gavin. And congratulations to Gavin for getting hitched. Took two. That you got hitched. Sayonara, sucker. <laughs> You think he's he's down in Mexico wearing a Hawaiian shirt, drinking a martini, man, just having time of his life.
1: 100%. We love you, Gabby. Gabby, if you're listening, big shout out. <laughs> big shouts to Gabby, baby.
2: <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: In just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
3: So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because